is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Episode 30, Series 7 of the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. And Craig Hutchison, Damien Barrett with you here in South Bank. And Hutchie, you're back from, I believe, the Hamptons. Uh, five days overseas, Damo. Hello. Yes, a very quick client trip, so in and out and uh, intense time. So good to be back. Thank you for sitting in for me on... Before we move off the Hamptons, um, you say client trip, and I've got no doubt it was because uh, I did see a, a photo, but there was some friends too, Hutchie. There were some friends too. Blanksy was in the photo. I, I did see old mate Brad in the Hamptons. In fact, a, Brad, a quick story from Brad. On Saturday night, uh, had a had a uh, gathering in the Hamptons with some clients and Brad Blanks said, do you want to come to an event with your guests? And I said, which event? He said, John McEnroe's backyard. (laughs) (laughs) There's an event around the corner, uh, raising money for the Johnny Mac uh, Foundation. So I ended up with uh, John. To coincide with the US Open starting. There's a name drop for you. John, it was in town. And Patrick McEnroe, his brother, who's, of course, the uh, tennis commentator, hosted it. And uh, that was my Saturday night, Damo. And was this uh, establishment uh, far from the other establishment where you used to harass um, Hillary Clinton in the Hamptons? Uh, five minutes away from East Hampton. It was very, within a stone's throw, though, of where the Winklevosses played. And I saw her only six weeks ago. So, yeah, it was in and out. Not much time to uh, do much, Damo. But and the reason I do know this, Hutchie, I did because... Try and, uh, angle, I wonder whether Johnny Mack had remembered the story of how he brushed me on the event, which I've told on the sounding board before. I got caught on stage with him all those many moons ago, and he didn't. Was he talk- comment? Were you at Channel Seven at the time? I was and he at was commentating 7. four seven. Yep. yep. And my job was to interview him for Merrill Lynch at a marquee outside the Rod Laver Arena after the Legends game, which ironically ended exactly at the time that I was told it would. One thirty, the doubles <laughs> final. Had a five minute awkward walk with him where I tried to make small talk, ask fifteen twenty questions. He ignored me the whole way. I thought I was in a lot of trouble, got on the stage, and he was warm and gregarious and called me by my name, and I thought, finally, we, I've made friends with him, and I got off stage, and he sacked me straight away. So uh, <laughs> I did try and revisit that on the weekend and got similar treatment. Oh, you you went and saw him again? You went up to speak to him? Was it? Was that the same event? Yes. Take me through this one. How'd you go? Hi, John. Hachi. Yeah, look, you may not remember. <laughs> 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 anyway, no, he and his brother were very good hosts, and it was, a, it was an interesting night. Thank you for sitting on Footy Classified. But before we move off you, Hachi, I know you're trying to move off, because I need to get to a photo that was was posted on social media by, by Richard Oppin, who I'm assuming was the client you were there with in the Hamptons. Uh, he was one of them, yeah. Yep. Um, I say this, Hachi, because you've got a couple of rules in life, and, and one of the, the strongest ones is don't get photographed with alcohol. Last count, there were 15 glasses of alcohol or drinks of alcohol on the table. None in my hand. Well, you're in the photo with these. And another disturbing part of this photo, Hutchie, was Johnny Brooker has got his shirt undone and open and there's a lot of skin. Yeah, you you won't find a photo of me drinking ever. So that's... that's, uh don't get defensive, Hutchie. Have a look at the photo. Jane, I'll get Jane. Actually, Jane's going to post it. You can call it. in the forensic on it. You will Jane, not. Jane's going to post it during the course of the week. You will not see us. Hutchie, there's Aperol spritzes. There's Bud Light, your your preferred US ale. Damo, I'm sure there were people having a friendly drink in the oh. photo, but none of them are me. Hang on. Hang on. Don't, don't go this far with it. You, you didn't have a drink on this occasion, on this photo? Not in, not in the photograph, I didn't. No. <laughs> I know the exact photo you're talking about. I did not... No, I am not in possession of any alcohol in that photo. No, you, in 25 years, to my knowledge, I've never been photographed. 
I've done a count of the number of alcoholic beverages with the amount of people around the table. There's more than one alcoholic beverage per person. Yeah, there That's is. Yeah. There, there, I'm sure there is. So but is no, someone drinking too? None of them are mine. <laughs> I've got some great advice. We've talked about this. We've just got nearly Spin City away. <laughs> Don't worry. If, if you can tell me point blank there's something in my hand, you win. Otherwise, you lose. You've lost. There's nothing. I lend it on a photo that others were taking. I'm not holding anything. It's beyond dispute. Move on to the next topic. <laughs> we, just I, think s- it was, I think it was Eddie who gave that advice originally yeah, it was. years You've ago. You've always referred to yeah. Eddie. Eddie reckons he told you never, ever get fa- – it's good advice. It's great it? advice. Yeah. It, it is. And you, of course, speaking of uh, um, being away and filling in, you filled in for on Footy Classified. For you. On, I filled in for you. On Monday yep. night. I couldn't fill in for Eddie Unless- because I went to the AFL one on um, AFL Awards night on the Wednesday and TJ filled in for Eddie, but I filled in for you on Monday. I saw the social media coverage of you hosting. Yep. Bit of an underwhelming performance by all accounts, but we'll move past that. <laughs> But you had Chris. I, I got zero feedback, yeah, which actually I, was good. I think that's that's, <laughs> that's no, that, no, that's good. Re- reflective. <laughs> no, no, zero, zero is as good a, as you get. If, <laughs> if there's if there was any type of hashtag for, for the reverse of trending, that was you on Twitter on Monday night. Such was the underwhelming response. You were blending rather than trending. But the, you had Chris Scott on and. Came on, very good guest. Had you seen Chris in the flesh? Yes, since you famously had to join me in pulling you out of the weeds of the Halloween party after Brad Scott and you ended up in a dust up on Halloween, which spilled into the cobwebs of a, of a Halloween menu that were hanging from the roof, and you had to get untangled from the cobwebs with Brad Scott in a fracker, and Chris and I had to. So did that come up after the show? <laughs> it might have come up, Archie. <laughs> the sight of you looking like a scarecrow trying to be untangled from the cobwebs Archie, on Halloween. You've told after- this story and put that much mayonnaise on it. There, there were no cobwebs. There was it, it was Halloween. Halloween cobwebs. It was, it was Halloween, but there were no cobwebs were, in the in you, the fracker. You quote unquote lost your balance, <laughs> hit it up in the cobwebs, and you needed untangling. We had to bring in people with whippersnippers. <laughs> <laughs> to untangle you. The fire brigade came in to untangle you from the cobwebs on You've, East 23rd Street. I've, I've heard you tell some stories of events that I've witnessed with my own yep. eyes, and you've taken them to levels that, that you, never. This is your best storytelling ever, you this went, one. You went from having no costume to having an instant costume. You were just wrapped like a mummy in these cobwebs after Brad Scott had made light work of you. <laughs> and Chris was an arbitrator. Anyway. That's what happened on the day. And you and I didn't talk for three days after that. No, well, you didn't yeah. talk to me. I didn't talk to you. you and were, you, you were small-minded about it. Oh. I moved on pretty quick. Oh. Hey, a couple of things I noticed while I was away. Small-minded about it. I've got a few things to get off my chest. Right. These are some observations I made on social while I was away, Damo. Oh. First of all. So, even when you're away this year, Hutchie, you're pre- presenting stuff for the sounding board. First of all, uh, I was on PVO Watch during the election, <laughs> as you know, Peter Van Onslen. Yeah. Uh, who uh, talks with his hands, as you know, Peter Van Onslen, PVO. And I was on PVO Watch, and I'd said that uh, I'd picked up a slight inkling that he was off ScoMo <laughs> and might have been on elbow. A lot of people didn't want to buy into that, and they were sending tweets saying he was a former member of the Liberal Party and he's a Liberal Party. <laughs> and so I was like almost ready to concede the fact that I was misreading it, even though he was attacking ScoMo. I, I think you rolled over when you were challenged on this. And then post-election, of course, he went after ScoMo because he didn't move out of the lodge for four days. He said he was um, yep. squatting. Remember, he said yep. it was four days after the election, and he said he was squatting. So we knew he hated ScoMo, but we didn't know Which whether he, not he, hard to do. We didn't know whether he was a liberal who was frustrated at ScoMo, or he'd switched out of the Liberal Party altogether. Well, get this intrigued, Damo. The book has dropped. <laughs> 
And it's got a, a photo of Elbow with both hands up, like as he's won, and the headline is Victory, the inside story of Labor's can't read that next bit. Stunning wind of power or something. The inside story of Labor's return to power. Return to power. Yep. By Peter Van Onslen. Yep. <laughs> so he's written a book about Elbow's win. Yeah. <laughs> the, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution rests. <laughs> Do you think there'll be some uh, revelations in it um, no. as significant as the uh, Simon Benson book? Uh, no. What was that called because last week? For all, of, for all of our criticism of Simon Benson withholding valuable information, which has now gone become a story. Extraordinary story. <laughs> it, um, for all of our criticism, and I think rightfully of that, it took discipline to withhold the information. He can't withhold it past the four thirty news PBO. He is a whisper. <laughs> he is a whisper at ten to four. He breaks into he'd break into Tim Bailey's weather if he had a chance. He can't get it through to the five o'clock news. So I don't think he withheld anything for the book. Um, second thing uh, is on the TV front. Oh, there's a couple of things. I've, on the TV I've got to, I've got to play something for you live on this, Hutchie, because um, I was going to try and leave the doorstop topic off the running sheet today, but, but that we was have our, to... that was our good natured intent. To move on. It was, yeah, but we are now getting bits sent to us and, and, and background information sent to us. I, I will not reveal the name of the person who has sent this, but as we speak, I'll just um, forward you, in fact, Jane's going to play for you a live cross, Ayrton Woolley, Channel 9, yep. 9 News during the week, doorstop with Christian Petrarca. Now, this video runs two and a half minutes. I only need you to concentrate, Hutchie. I've time-coded it for you. Jane, get to 30 seconds in, please, and I'll get Hutchie to describe what you are about to witness here at 30 seconds in. Please, Craig Hutchison, live. Well, there's, so there's Ayrton, frame me in. So he's been framed in beautifully. Yeah. The cameraman's above him. Now, what about that bit? Framed in. Oh, there's a second camera. <laughs> Look at that. There's a second camera. He's taken two cameras to a doorstop. No. That's what happened. I think what's happened, Short though. one was above. Yes. It's one camera person running two cameras. I think the top one's a GoPro. I've been told. Oh, no. He has a, not taken two there's cameras. There's a camera and oh, another camera. Oh, this is outrageous. Now, I can't confirm this, Hutchie, but the person who has alerted me to that has suggested that's the case. And the, the fact that you've picked up on that straight away. That's a two-camera doorstop. I've never seen one before from one network. He's taken two cameras to his own doorstop. I needed to run this by you because that's what I thought I saw. You're the expert in this space. Talk about frame me in. He's had two cameras frame him in. I like the use of the wider camera. It's like almost for, a panoramic. For one, for one second of vision. Oh, how good was it? Great Have a look at it again. That, it's a do you reckon really one, good look. Do you reckon one viewer noticed? How good did he look? There's no, no, don't need, you, don't, you don't need to be framed in with that camera. You don't think he's sensitive about his hairline, do you? That's why he's been, oh, God, you, been framed in on an angle. You can't talk. I, well, can't. I can talk. That's why I can. <laughs> I speak from experience. He's hanging on for dear life. <laughs> I went out gracefully. <laughs> I wasn't going to take this he's conversation a, there. A two-camera shoot. To a doorstop. <laughs> hey, you know um, <laughs> network rivalries, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've talked a bit about this in the past. I'm only joking. Don't oh, you're not joking. But it, it, he's been framed in beautifully. It, that is... that is. I like that. And that's me and Trey. That's going to that's gonna ramp things up with Mitch and Tom. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they got the budgets, are they? Seven to get two cameras to her? <laughs> have to pour with Rob Waters in order to get a two-camera shoot. Now... The other thing that I noticed on – well, here's – we've talked about this in the past. This is a bit in on TV, but let's sort of open the gates a little bit. I've, I've said to you in my TV journalistic career that I was as worried by the internal competition as more than the external, and particularly the interstate bureaus. Oh, you, you have. You've you yep. discussed this on this program. Yeah. Interstate yep. bureaus or people you needed 
around you. Is that your horse? Uh, Hello, broadcast. Yeah. No, it's uh, Clint Hutchison's horse oh. and Matthew Hill, the uh, Sorry. commentator. But I, I'll tell you what happens when it wins. <laughs> so we're watching. In the we're back. just cutting in here. And we're doing this oh. show at 5.07 as we speak uh, on the. the uh, oh, I'll do the John Verdigan for you. On the. Uh, before Hello, broadcast. On the Wednesday this week. 3 3.30, the place number three, Invincible Jet, one only and no third dividend, <laughs> Magical Land. So that's just watching in the background um, as we speak. Now, we're doing when that, track. when that horse wins, I always get. A couple of text messages from people who have got Clint Hutchison's name in their phone right. and hidden my number by mistake. Because <laughs> in the in the race book it says C. But don't you own a horse with a broadcast name in it or something like that? Newscaster or no? No. 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 Okay. Good. But you watch. I'll leave my phone there for you, Damon. I bet you I get a text from someone saying, "We did it." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all well on the Clint. So in, internal newsrooms are a concern because generally, if you got a story. You want to hang on to it and no one to know. But often you need others around you to help you, an editor or library or chief of staff to get your So camera. it's got to get out at some stage before it goes to where is what you're saying. Well, I, I was paranoid about telling anybody in, in the office. And I'm still dirty on you, and I've told you this on air too. That, that time you got Bomber Thompson on in the middle of that drugs crisis, you didn't even tell me, your, your running partner, that you had him. Because you've got to be very, oh, very cautious of this. You might have been able to tell me. You, oh. you told me worse. You're still learning. <laughs> you, brought me in, you brought me into <laughs> far worse life issues than that one. But anyway. So, but the, so I reckon if you're serious about your craft, you tell as little people as you can and you don't let anyone internally know what you're working on. You and, you and Tim Cleary were extreme on this. I've never seen two operators like you two. We were paranoid. Anyway, yep. the interstate bureaus, uh, I don't take it that seriously. <laughs> And I'm led to believe, it's hit my desk, that we saw a recent example of a lost story in the Channel 7 newsroom based upon internal comms. Well, you used to lose stories yourself, didn't you? You've, happens. I, I, I think you have named names in the past. Well, I'll name some names here. It's my understanding that Adam Kingsley, being signed by the Giants, yep. was a story that was sourced by the Channel 7 newsroom in Sydney and... It may have been Mark Beretta or those close to Mark, but anyway, they had the story and they've clearly had to put it in the rundown, let it be known, or source some vision, some file sh- shots, which is always dangerous from the Melbourne Library. Because no one in, in, I would imagine, Sydney would know who Adam Kingsley was. And I mean that quite. Well, they wouldn't have. In any, fact, there people in Melbourne who. Yeah, yeah. They, they would have had to ring Melbourne and say, who's this guy and do we have any yep. footage of him? And the library the library is the most trustworthy part of newsrooms. Because they are permanently paranoid, like journalists. But it's why are they paranoid? They just aren't they? They're service. Because the, there's a million the building? journalists who are walking in there paranoid every day. So, oh, they, so they they they're they, on the secret. They're, they're good. Okay, but it's often someone in the in the you know. Did you hear someone just rang library? So anyway, <laughs> I understand that it was when Sydney went to source information about Adam Kingsley from the Melbourne newsroom that it pricked the ears of Tom Brown. <laughs> Who recognised that it was a story today he might not have had at that time coming from Sydney, and how fast could he reconfirm the information that he'd been fed from the Channel 7 Sydney newsroom and then put it into the ecosystem as his own? And I believe it was white-labelled and distributed as a Tom Brown exclusive inside five minutes. Now, I'm happy to steer anyone down who, who was to take me on on that, and I say this with the highest possible praise because I was, an, I was a frequent... Redistributor of internal oh, information. On, so in my you day. stole as well. Oh, it's it's. You only tell the stories where you were stolen from. Did you steal? Hundred percent, I stole. Oh. <laughs> now I reckon the interstates they get, you... they they would get as many wrong as they'd get right. So you had to actually sift Still through sift through the. You, know, you get a story. Oh, you know, so and so in Channel Ten, Perth's going with, you know, 
so-and-so's a new coach of the Eagles. You've got to be a bit bit careful. Yeah, okay. But every once in a while, they get a nugget right, and you've, then you've, got to, you've actually got to move quicker than they can themselves. <laughs> and I believe, to his credit, yeah. our man, Tom Brown, Tom Brown, moved. <laughs> and before he knew it, he was in front of the uh, Twitter, Twitterverse and the 4.30 News saying, seven news believes, bracket Sydney. <laughs> Aaron Kingsley. So hats off to Tom. Okay. That's exactly what I would have done in the same situation. <laughs> and in reverse, if for those budding reporters out there, never put your the subject of your story. So the chances are someone put in the rundown in Sydney, uh, Kingsley Giants move or something like that, like a headline. Yeah. And then the game's up. You've got so, to be paranoid. So, so for the, the young players here, you're saying if you've got that story, uh, I will have an update on Giants coach. Yeah, footy latest. Footy latest, yep. <laughs> footy latest. Just the, the broad brush. Yeah. And if you know that you've got the real estate in the news, so if, you, if you're competing against another story, you might have to get someone on side like the news director and say, oh, don't say anything. And how close to bulletin time do you do you leave that Still making a couple of calls. Right. So you deliberately I'm waiting on one more call. I'll let you know at five to six. Yeah. You've got to run the gas out of the time. You've got to run the ball down like Tom Brady does at the two-minute warning <laughs> on these things. I'm waiting on a call back. And you normally need an editor who can play a bit of ball with you too because you're going to have to leave a hole in your story and an editor to understand you're going to come in late on. So you need one on side. <laughs> Chances are you not get more than one on side. We talked about the damage. That- who did you steal off that you can tell us now? Uh, that would have been one a year probably where there was interstate. The, the interstates, they're often as wrong as they are, right? So you've got to spend the time proving it right or wrong. <laughs> But if you can white label and move, don't they? <laughs> Have you ever stolen one that was wrong? No, no, no. You, you got to check it. No, and sometimes you probably should straighten up about here. Aren't you? <laughs> generally speaking, though, the interstates benefit more from you than you them. And the other thing, in particularly, well, in, not from you. You just put footy latest. They don't know what's coming. On the, I mean, the, those in different time zones are the masters of it too, because they repackage it as their own into the Adelaide and Perth news. <laughs> oh, the half hour later yeah. and the two hours later, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, 10 News Adelaide believes. Yeah, of course you do. We just told you that 30 minutes ago in Melbourne. <laughs> We've, uh, news marketing, Damon. Probably should straighten up and talk some serious uh, oh, journalism here, Archie. Speaking of serious journalism. Yeah, I've got the that. other one that I saw last week. Oh, you're still going. <laughs> you've been overseas for a week and you've come back armed. <laughs> Xavier Campbell does a press conference, right? On the Sunday with Dave Barham. Yep. He's been, as far as I can understand it, the most available CEO of all time through this. He's been doing interviews left, right and centre saying, giving almost running commentaries out of fairness. Yeah. Three days later on the Wednesday, he resigns at 10am. At 1pm on the Herald Sun website, three hours after he resigned yeah. and only three days after he'd done an all-people press conference, yeah. Sam Landsberger. I think I know where you're going with this. Xavier Campbell breaks his silence. <laughs> <laughs> now, is three hours a long silence, Damo? After what? the press release and the media release online that had him going, yeah. That three hours about the only time he wasn't speaking to the media for the whole month. <laughs> well, you know who broke their silence the day after, having broken silence many times before that too? Danielle Laidley. She, she broke her silence in the Herald Sun too. I saw that. Yeah. Even, even though she'd broken a lot of silence. Been on the Triple M, been on the TV news, been on, yep. Yep. But written a book. So- <laughs> How many times can you break silence? Well, I think you have to be silent for at least more than three hours, don't you? <laughs> well, it was good clickbait, though. It, it, did, it did draw you in. And it was a good get, by the way, but it was 
Breaks your silence. <laughs> a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> All right. What have we got on here? 18, 20 minutes. But let, let's get serious now, Hutchie, because there is a really serious topic that we um, do need to acknowledge, if not address. The power of the media can come in many forms, and I would argue that Headley Thomas's form, he being the podcaster of The Teacher's Pet, yep. arguably has had the most impact of any journalist for a very, very long time. Over the Chris Dawson being found guilty of murdering his wife Lynette in the uh, New South Wales court systems this week. It was a powerful, powerful story, and obviously it was a, a triumphant day for journalism, uh, and for a journalism of a different type, right? In-depth, almost semi-investigative. Police work. Police work via audio podcast consumption. So it was um, a crowning day for the power of podcast and journalism. I would think Jane has has followed this more closely than us, so we might welcome Jane in here. Um, I'm a little bit late to the party. I've been crash coursing in the last few days. Yep. And and we've never seen a media reaction to it. It's got so many media hooks to it. The way, even the way the Herald Sun, um, I thought, cleverly dissected the judges' views of Highly unlikely lies, you know, like put easy to consume catches on the different narratives through it was was easy to, to follow. Uh, Jane, what was your – did you listen to the teacher's pet the whole way through? I did. I listened from the very first episode uh, right through. And that, that was 2018? Yeah, it's quite a while ago now. Yeah. Um, and the thing is that it has become a unicorn in podcast podcasting terms because no one can listen to it. So as soon as Chris Dawson, who the whole premise of the podcast is – you know, famous rugby profile player, wife disappears, doesn't get investigated properly. In nineteen eighty two. Yeah. What was the what was the element of the story that first drew you in? I think it was just that northern beaches Sydney. And I think we don't we underestimate in Victoria how big this story has been in New South Wales and yep. Sydney especially. I think it was just mm. that facade of the the blonde, hot NRL playing, you know, fantastically successful guy with a story that just doesn't have a resolution. And and just how can someone not be held to yeah. account for 40 years when it was so obvious? And then just the timeline on it. I want me catching up the timeline too. But So 82 was the, the time of the alleged murder or, or confirmed by the courts yesterday anyway. Um, 1990 was the first police investigation mm. of yep. any note, um, eight, nine years later. And, and, Jane, you were saying before that once he was charged, after the publication of the podcast, the podcast had to be taken Disappeared. Yeah. So in Australia, it's very difficult for an Australian podcast to really make traction in the US. This is, you know, one of the most listened to true crime podcasts ever. So all of those guys that hadn't listened went, oh, we've got to listen, gone, disappeared. Um, and, of course, now... Can they actually reinstate the podcast, or if he the, appeals, is it still no? I, w- I would think not if an appeal as, is coming formally. As someone really late to this story, admittedly, the two things reading it over the last little bit um, that interested me were the false sightings of her must mm. that just fed the narrative and the intrigue, and there was like hearing the judge's view of all of those. The judge addressed each and every one of them really in the end. And the second one was the brother and the role of like the twin. And- the twin brother who, there is another story there. I'm not going to say anything really? defamatory, but there must be more to this Ooh. story. So the relationship with, and then the yesterday the vision of the brothers, I guess, yes. being quite um, hostile towards the media and you know, uh, yeah. and probably being treated pretty, like the media were right in their grill yesterday. It was uncomfortable viewing. It's not unfair to ask though right now. What, what were the police doing though, is it? I mean, I'm not the first person to ask that. And there's no legal issue with asking that, is there? 
I mean, well, I thought, well, how can it be a, a journalist Jane, basically 40 years after the event forcing a proper investigation into it? And, the, and the, I heard the uh, Headley, is it? Yep, Headley Thomas. Say outside court yesterday that this wouldn't happen in modern times and the technology's better no, and some of those it things. it couldn't. And that's probably to your point of why is this so fascinating. It is that with no evidence, no body, and no one to say she didn't just go and join a cult or decide to bugger off, it, police, well, what are we meant to do? Hands tied. So it speaks to the power of the relationships of those men involved in club football who, of course, you know, police very much involved in those football circles too. And if you do go back and look or read some of those stories, the investigation into, yes, why the journalists weren't asking more questions, why the police weren't more into it, and Headley's determination 40 years later to actually speak to the media was in... No, well, maybe don't say too much because no, obviously look, the podcast has been taken down for a reason. Yeah. That if the media had gone harder on why it wasn't being investigated, but it mm. was that was the day, 1980s, whatever, women just disappear, don't they? Mm. So fascinating. It's, a, it's an extremely <laughs> sad story. It really is. And uh, it, it's caught the attention of everybody. And it, mm. like, if you think it's a movie waiting to be happen, happened to write, I'm not sure. Of the, has a movie been licensed yet? I haven't heard yeah. of a licensing deal, but I think, yeah, what you're saying, Hutchie, is, you know, you could not have this happen now because your phone would be traced. There'd be uh, surveillance cameras, all of that. It's so fascinating. Make it such a great movie. There's so many different hooks on this story. Just every time you pull back a layer, there's another hook that you, you weren't aware of. So, yeah, there you go, Damo. A win for journalism. Yeah, exactly. And Hedley Thomas in particular. Speaking of journalism, Lachlan Murdoch suing Crikey. Yeah. Have you, are you across this one? I am. Give me a take on this. Obviously, it's um, it's been pitched by Crikey to David versus Goliath. Yeah, though. it has. It has. Um, it's, a, it's a subscription driver, though, isn't it, for Crikey as much as anything in the early days? I think it might be. It's a big game, big game to play. Um Ultimately, Hutchie, you've got to – and I, I'm, look, I, I don't think Lachlan Murdoch should do it. If not my opinion, I think he's got other things to worry about. But but having said that, it if it's part it was, of an article – They were called unintended co-conspirators. Yeah, of, of the January of the 6th ten, yeah. capital rights. Strikes at the heart of your integrity. It, it does. And, and that's what I want to say. So, look, I don't want to get too bogged down in, in, in the actual specifics of the, yeah. the legal case. But if you're making claims of that nature – Look, we talk about this regularly. I work backwards. You work back. Yep. What can you prove if you absolutely have the proverbial gun to their head? Now, can anyone prove that? That the, the media outlet in the States, Fox News, was part of it? Um, again, there's, they're not the first people to say that, yes, they were, but proving it is a whole new ball game. And, and then once you get lawyers involved, Hutchie, sometimes it doesn't matter whether you can or can't prove it. And nine, I'm sure A no, lawyer will win here somewhere. I'm sure 90% of non-news core journalists would be barracking for crikey here and being on the side of the the smaller business and taking the big beast on. And That's an easy narrative to, to take. Hold into account. And yeah. then there's also a narrative that gets fed of, oh, that, why would you sue when you don't need the money? And you don't need the money to be suing, so what are you doing that for? Mm. And Rupert never launched a legal case ever, whereas Lachlan's been more litigious than Rupert. I don't think Rupert's ever, correct me if I'm wrong, Rupert's never sued anyone. Did I, have I read that? Oh, I, I couldn't well, he, tell you that. The perception is that he's Lachlan more open to the freedom. more litigious. Yeah. Than, now, but I, I have some some empathy for Lock on this. Like, if it were my publication and yeah. someone had called me an unindicted co-conspirator of an event of historical um, significance, disgrace, disgrace and treachery yeah. like that, you know, I'd, I'd be standing my ground too. And it's not about the money for Lachlan. It's about making the point and setting the precedent. Yep. 
So, yeah, I, I had kind of my naive view. No, no, I'm, I'm more with you than than, wow. than the other way You're on, on the this. news side of this. Well, you've, got, on. To, you've got to be able to. Well, Stop actually, the this is where I like to be. Um, Independent on most things we discuss, and and again, if you're going to say something, you've been bought into the tent by news as well. You've, have you? you've got to be able to back Don't it tell up. Tell me, Sonia Hood's broker now, in that one. I'm not saying they can't back it up. Maybe maybe this is all part of it to try and get Lachlan into court, and in court they're going to say, "Here's our evidence," and and wouldn't that be fascinating in itself? But and I assume they're crowd fund, crowd funding the legal case, are they? Yeah, I think it's got yeah. up itself into the is it the hundreds of thousands of so it's a mar- dollars. I think it's, a, it's a marketing move. It's probably smart business, and they're very smart team at Crocky, so. They know what they're doing. They haven't gone into this. They've clearly thought about their strategy and it's being executed. Yep. Kachi Cricket it's historically cannibalises itself, doesn't it? I, I, you go back to the, the the test match glory days of, you know, what, whatever they were. Then you've got the, the World Series cricket revolution. You've got the, the one-day part of the game coming into it then, and then that was that was too long. It became the T20, and now you've got the 100, and even now the, there's a 60 coming in some, in some form. But, Is it really? But I just ask it because there's another form of cannibalism, I think, going on right now in terms of the access or, 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 or rights for the Australian BBL teams to, to have Australian cricketers who historically haven't played the BBL in the summer being paid a premium yep. over the other people in the same competition to, to play. I'm referring to David Warner, obviously, yep. and there will be others. So you have a problem with this? I, I wanted to ask you the question because so why, you do. why should he, though, be – paid over and above what, say, Glenn Maxwell has been paid, who has been supportive of this competition from the very outset of it. I'm a big believer in you, you pay the big money to the highest entertainer. Don't get me wrong with that aspect of it. Yep. But but this is a change in play now. Where we're now basically paying outside the cap. Yep. Um, we tried to jazz some interest in it in it with a with a draft, which I I still to this day don't know what was about, and and that's for others to judge. But I had no interest in it. I don't know what it proved. I think it actually was a fizzer, from what I could tell. I did, I chose not to watch it, but I caught up on it. I don't think much happened in it. And then I'll talk about the cannibalism, as we have discussed before. You've got this uh, UAE league and the South African league yep. at the very same time on the calendar. Not quite. I think it's mid January, isn't it? The UAE. So there's going to be a bunch of players who play the first half of the BBL and then. Well, there it is. The cannibal. Off. If it's first half yeah. and then take off, that's cannibalising itself. Yeah. So it's it's in a dicey predicament, cricket, on so many levels, well, and, and and the 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 changing on the run is is part of its problem. Well, I disagree on that. Like, they, circumstances change. When they first did this deal, they had a highly invested media partner who wooed them. But they also had a, a, a real focus on bringing in the best international players you could bring. And then that uh, just disappeared. They, they did. Disappeared. They and that, some, that, to me, was its appeal. Yeah, but they had some personnel issues where they got lost in translation at the time. Well, they had personnel change at CA. They had a pandemic in the middle, which affected. No, them. no, the, no. The change in in bringing in internationals happened before the pandemic. So, so let's not lump that into that conversation. No, I agree with that. I, as I said, there was a change in personnel at, at the start. The people that were in charge changed, and the the new mob were a bit not as quick at understanding that you need to reinvest as aggressively as you did. They were a little bit lazy potentially at the time, and presumptive on the product, and then they found themselves trying to get out of that as COVID happened and it got harder to get players in and then the new leagues pop up and before you know it, you, and then the seven turn on you and then before you know it, your circumstances are entirely different. So they, what they're doing now is trying to buy their way out of the problem, which is what I would be doing and what you would be doing. You can't actually sit there now and say, okay, well, we just can't let market forces play on here because- It's not working. It's not. We've got a problem. We're being sued by the 
broadcaster, and that money's in highly in jeopardy. And the ability of someone else to replace it is in jeopardy as well if we don't get some sex appeal into this tournament. Now, yeah. what? Now, Warner over here's got an offer. We've got to defend that position, so we have to pay him marketing money, and they would be offering. You watch. You watch how much Warner will have to do for Channel Seven as part of that check, by the way, or f- for Fox or both. That'll be there'll be a heavy component of on-ground miking and all that good stuff, and they they need to buy themselves out of the problem. So yeah, there's people that are unlucky in that. The loyalist and Maxwell's highly unlu- unlucky in that they've been there and they've and he doesn't. I mean, everyone needs the money, but but he wouldn't be complaining about this. I am on his behalf. Yep. Yeah, he's done the hard yards here, I reckon. So and has helped prop it up. But it's the world is not fair in that regard. It's a need and want world, supply and demand. He had a moment in time where he could leverage the position, Dave Warner, and he's done it. And there'll be others that are doing it as well. You're seeing they are starting to get some wins among the Australian players. And they need just to be tough on the Australian players and, and harder on India. That's where they're going to be harder for them to do. Speaking of big money in sport, Cam Smith going to live demo. Announced yesterday and Mark yeah. Leishman. Yep. Now it's eventually happened and it's real. How do you feel about it? Um, as it's... Drawn out this story, Hutchie. I just defy anyone. And we, we, I think we touched on it a few weeks ago. I, I defy anyone to say no to that type of check. Now, it's relative to, to people's lives, but the 140 million Australian that was put in front yep. of Cam Smith, I, I defy anyone to not A, contemplate that and, and even B, accept it. So, you watch the work uh, backwards from the, the moral judgments and all of that, and, and I, I get all of that, Hutchie, and that's all part yep. of your decision making. But, but you know, good luck to the person who says no to that. And you know, I, I, I say this a bit sweepingly and a, with a hint of um, sarcasm to it. You know, in his, historically in tennis, for 50 years, weeks of the year, we're like Nick Kyrgios is a peanut and Bernard Tomic's this and, you know, Leighton Hewitt's just stop behaving the way he is. And then they come to the Australian Open and win the first round and we just fall in love with them for two weeks. Yep. That's going to put pale to what's going to happen with Liv. We're going to have this legion of angry people in media and the Saudi money and all of those things. And then when they come through for two events next year, yep. because it's the only one, like the USPGA Tour is not coming through Australia anytime soon. No. Whereas Liv's going to be a – you watch everyone leaning on it as a product. So will the media, the, the whole media? It, it will, it, it will is swing. there an aspect of media yet that you've detected won't? It will swing um, significantly right. behind it, I think, because it's going to be an Austra- there's going to be Australian content. Mm. There's already Australian companies involved in Live. Like so, so the human rights part of this, and let's not get too bogged down in that because we don't understand it the way we yep. probably should. But, but that's the issue, isn't it? There's already with, Australian media companies with the Saudi Arabian staff working on it now. Like it's it's a global product now, and we're going to see most probably at the start of the tour next year, aren't we? In March or February, we're going to see an event in Sydney. Yeah, and so it'll all like the journalists will turn up day one and ask all the they got your questions. But so, so you would have taken it too. The check, yeah, I think he's absolutely entitled to. Yeah, I don't sit in judgment for him on. No, I, I that's what I'm saying. I, I don't either. And and I look, if someone does, I'd be keen to to see why they would make it a compelling argument to to yep. say no to it. Because it's not as if the other mobs squeaky clean well, either. Okay, there's not human rights issues with the PGA, but but there are other issues of a significant nature. There's some atrocities in human rights issues in Saudi Arabia, in Doha, in. Um, um, China, like every, every like you can make him out an argument everywhere. And do, mm. do you? Where do you draw the line? And and you, you can't pick if you want to be this way. You cannot pick and yeah. choose your your issues. Yeah, I mean it's the you know you could you could mount a defence for um, taking the money and 
putting it towards good, and you can equally mount a case that you should never go near it. And I understand both sides of it. But I personally, mm. I think Cameron Smith's absolutely entitled to look after his family first and to build the life he wants to live. Absolutely. Question of the week time. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Hutchie, you've managed to get a subscriber to your theories about the um, the make good coffee and the breaking bread type of uh, catch ups in, in Kane Corns. He's been big on this and he's now going public with it. And as uh, as Bodie <laughs> on Twitter is now our question of the week uh, for this week because he asks this. Isn't there expiry date after breaking bread? Hutchie and Robbo's breaking of bread a couple of years ago seems to have expired. Last few weeks on this podcast and off the bench, he's been talked about a lot more. Now, I'm not sure I understand that uh, question, Brody. I've always got on well with Robbo. Oh, Look, we had Spin City off the top, Hutchie. I don't want Spin City as part of question of the week as well. Every time I say this, you laugh at me. I like Robbo. We've got that Spin City as, I just, as well, I, Jane. I just find myself working on shows <laughs> with people that don't. I <laughs> know you, you're blaming me and Pix. You and Pix, so I get to, I get bundled in like I'm the I'm the I'm the uh, the, drum, um, the drum player. I'll in the answer it. Movement. I'll answer it for him, uh, Bodie. Um, yeah, there is an expiry, and, and Hutchie's breaking bread I, with Robbo expired I, about a, I reckon I, about a minute after he left. That that no, no, that coffee I, I, that you've I, talked about. I, that, I, I, I have had disagreements of. Um, topic. So I disagree with the way he treated Caroline Wilson. That doesn't mean I don't. That doesn't affect my view of the person. I, it's just that I, I feel like. Correct me if I'm wrong. I can have an argument with someone on an issue, but it shouldn't affect the way. No, that, I think Bodie's onto something. I think I think he is. Um, just as we wrap up today, Hutchie, I didn't see your name in the Australian Financial Review today under the headline. Um, Lindsay Fox's 85th, 85th birthday bash. No, yeah, there's a lot of names. Was there? Yeah. Who are the ones that caught your eye? The ones that caught my eye. <laughs> Twiggy Forrest. Yep. <laughs> Solly fair. Lou. Yep, fair. Uh, Andrew Bassett. Yep. Luke Sayers. Yep. Of course, Eddie's there. Eddie, Eddie's going to run the show, I think. Yep. Um, Bill Kelty. Yep. I think Simon Crean was there. I kept going down the list, Hutch. I didn't say. I, I thought you might have been a chance for this one. Was there, was there anyone there who, who's, who's worth under 100 million bucks in this right now? <laughs> what, is, what is it about wealth that attracts other wealth? 85 years of age and he's doing a, did, a 12-day tour from uh, did, New York to Montreal. Did hit my, How good? Did hit my desk that uh, Luke Sayers was in an original decline based upon the need to be here for the finals. Oh. And then he? a retrospective... Am I too late? <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch up with that bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, why is Eddie going? Oh, why wouldn't you? He'd be, he'd be hosting and... You've got to do both, Eddie. You've got to live life. You've got to do both. Life is to be lived. Yeah, it is. Yep. You're not getting a late call up? So have, you, have you met Lindsay Fox? Uh, along the way, I have, yeah, for yeah. sure. But I don't, I don't know him to the degree where I would be remotely invited to, to one of his events. All right. That was episode 30. Series 7 of the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.